Welcome back to uh, BDI's podcast series. This, hello. Hello. I'm joined this morning with uh, Thomas Calver. Hello, everybody. Uh, hello. Um, so today's um, episode, episode two in series three. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. It certainly does. Um, it's a quite an interesting topic today, actually, Tom. You'd be pleased to know. Okay. It's not like all the other topics. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's obviously a very topical one uh, with our uh, IMG community. Um, and it, it's all about what NHS jobs should I be applying for? Um so I think with a lot of international doctors, um, it's uh, it can be quite confusing, the NHS. Um, and the reason being is that uh, there are so many different grades, different types of job, uh, names of job, different pay scales, salaries, uh, all those things. So I think from the outset today, what we want to try and give a little bit of clarity about that. Um, so... Well, let's start off at the kind of bottom, Tom. Uh, we've got uh, FY1 or trust grade equivalent. Uh, that that can, You'll see those in loads of different NHS jobs. Um, it's one that we don't, as an agency, tend to supply. Yeah, the reason for that is that actually you're, you're probably looking at a grade where there's a lot of competition. Mm. Um, if you're looking for that kind of FY1, FY2, I guess that would be maybe the year or two years after you've done your internship. Mm-hmm. Um, after you've done your rotations it, there's, a, there's a lot of people looking for those kinds of jobs um, yeah it's also FYI FYI is what you did there basically stands for foundation year so this is again once you've come out of medical school it's going to be your first your first actual clinical hospital experience I think you actually get a temporary license from the GMC as well at that level Mm-hmm. So again, it's not really going to be relevant for most of our international doctors that come through PLAB or. No, we do get a lot of um, we do get a lot of uh, emails and inquiries about okay, well I finished my internship year, I've got a year of experience, and I'm looking to move over. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, I'd be making applications on NHS jobs. You know, come speak to us, ask us for advice if you need template CVs, all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, those jobs will mostly be on. NHS jobs yeah. especially if they're going to be training positions mm-hmm. so if you're applying for a deanery or you're you're trying to get a training number or a service job so you can get into a training scheme that's going to be something that you're, you're probably best off doing by yourself obviously you can get support from other people and yeah. we can give advice but um, as a core sort of job search mm-hmm. um, NHS jobs uh, is probably the best place for you to be to be looking uh, so I, I guess the next stage up from FY1, if you're looking at kind of chronologically, is uh, FY2 or trust grade equivalent. Yep. Again, don't want to spend too much time on this either because, um, again, it's not really uh, something that we as an agency get a, a huge demand for. Um, the, the kind of important thing to, to note that FY2 or trust grade equivalent, uh, these are not training positions. Um However, I guess if, if you have a look on NHS Jobs or on it's Health Jobs UK, it's by all means apply directly for those positions. Um, the, the kind of the one thing to bear in mind is make sure that if you do get appointed to an FY2 or trust grade equivalent job, you want to get your competencies signed off at the end of that period, which will allow you to kind of move on to the next level. Yeah, that's really important. You can get competencies signed off in your home country. Um, which is something I would advise doing. But if you're coming across your FY2, just make sure that you're going into a job 
that have, have agreed to sign off the competency so that you can progress with the, with your career here. Mm-hmm. Um, so now on to the, the, the bit that we can help with, I, I guess, uh, which is uh, the... I like to split it into there's basically two two different parts. Um, you've got junior middle grade and senior middle grade, and that is by far uh, the the most in demand um, levels that we will uh, recruit for, and certainly our NHS clients. That's where the gaps tend to be. Uh, so if we if we kind of start with the junior middle grade, and I'll give you a whole list of uh, different job titles that this will encompass. So it can be see it. The CMT one or two, which is core medical training one two, it could be ST one two special special training one two, junior clinical fellow, or it could be called SHO, which the NHS is not meant to call. Uh, that's a um, that's a, a grade that is meant to no longer be in use, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> I th- I th- I th- the problem that that we've got is that the NHS is has changed the names of grades a couple of times in the last 20 years and different people still use different terminology for the Mm -hmm. same thing so i mean the only difference for example between the cmt or uh, one and cmt2 and sc1 sc2 is the specialty so if you're in a work in internal medicine specialty like gastroenterology for example you're probably looking more the cmt core training route if you're looking at something that's more specific like hematology then you're going to be sort of st1 Mm. uh, st2 so uh, that 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 differential is probably quite important if you're trying to work out where you want to go i mean for that level if you've got if you have if you have started to specialize in an area and you've got two or three years of experience within a particular specialty Mm. that's probably the place where you're going to come in yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I, again, I, I think in terms of qualifications, um, if you're uh, looking to apply at that level, um, obviously having undertaken the PLAB exam, as Tom mentioned, uh, if you've got a number of years within the specialism and you come through the PLAB route, that's an absolutely fine um, place to start off. And you can probably try and, and, and complete some of the Royal College qualifications during that time when you're working in the NHS. But again, say, uh, on the other hand, you've got uh, a lot of doctors that have come through Royal College qualifications uh, that will want to start at that level because I guess the responsibility is slightly less. Um, but surgery, surgery is a bit of an anomaly. Um, I would say that it's, it's quite, uh, even though lots of doctors will have MRCS, for example, um, within surgery, it, it's that is the, the grade that you will probably come in at for at least a 12-month period. Um, whereas if you've got raw qualifications but don't want the responsibility of the slightly senior role, um, you, you again do, doing that type of level is um, it's, it's it's kind of an individual preference really. Um, I know lots of doctors that they just want to get used to the NHS system, uh, and that's a great starting point really to, to come in at that level, um, get to know the NHS system. It will be completely different to uh, the country or healthcare system that you've come from. Uh, and it, it's got to give you a little bit of time to um, acclimatise to not just the NHS, but also, I guess, getting used to a whole new country. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, with with that kind of level as well, it's probably worth pointing out that regardless of what, in fact, with any grades that you apply for, the NHS is really risk averse. Mm. So at no point, if you interview for a job and you're offered an ST12 job, rather than an ST3 job that you think you should be going for, 
really it's the clinicians that that interview you will be making a call as to where you would best fit in the UK system. We can give guidance, but I mean, you might have five years of experience in a specialty and still the recommendation is an ST2 mm. job, for example. And it tends to be in like the surgeries, Ryan said, or the emergency specialties where some it's maybe more independent practice or it's more urgent care, it's a bit more high pressure that mm. the NHS will make sure that you are not a danger to yourself or anyone else before they let you sort of yeah, run and, loose. And, and that's a really important point. And I know we've uh, touched on this previously is that you spent a, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort to get your GMC registration. The last thing that you want to do is, is to put that at risk um, by getting into to trouble. And, and that may just be uh, not certainly not down to clinical knowledge, but it may just be something like um, it, it not understanding local protocols, etc. Um, so uh, junior middle grade is a good place to start uh, for international doctors. Um, but the uh, I guess it's the level of responsibility. Um, so uh, th- that's the kind of key thing to that. Um, some people, individual preference could be that uh, the, you just want to start there uh, to get used to it and, and then move up. Um, other doctors uh, with, I mean, maybe seven, eight years of experience uh, will be adamant that they want to, to start at the next grade, which is senior middle grade. Um, so senior middle grade um can again has multiple names um for <laughs> and so we'll run through them st3 to eight uh senior clinical fellow staff grade equivalent specialty doctor the roles and responsibilities are going to be exactly the same regardless of the actual job title um uh, but obviously coming in as a senior middle grade there is an expectation that you are going to be taking on far more responsibility you will be the most senior doctor you will have to run the the rest of the junior doctors um when you're on call so that is a big big responsibility to take on i mean what's your thoughts on it tom in terms of um is is that a good place for an international doctor to start if they've got the royal college qualifications and lots of experience yeah i mean i think as a as as a as an organization that's helped I think it's something 400 or, or more in the last 12 months to find jobs in the NHS, 75% or more have have come in at that mm. senior middle grade level if you've got a Royal College qualification. Yeah. So it, if as a general rule of thumb, if you've got PLAB and four or five years experience, you're, you're looking at ST3 or ST12 mm. core medical training kind of jobs. If you've done a Royal College, a UK Royal College qualification or equivalent, then you immediately you should be at a sort of ST3 plus level. So you fit in that bracket at ST3, but not quite consultant. And even for a lot of the, the dots we work with who are consultants in their home countries, mm-hmm. you, the chances are you, you're probably going to be working as a specialty doctor, at least for the first instance. And that might be because um, you need to acclimatize the healthcare system. It might be that you want to go through Caesar, which is a topic we're going to get into in another podcast. Um, but the majority of the time, if you have more than four years experience in a specialty specifically and you hold a Royal College qualification, then you're probably going to be looking at specialty doctor or in the sort of senior end of that middle mm-hmm. grade scale. Yeah. Um, and again, it, 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 this really does come down to individual uh, preference. If you've got Royal College qualifications, obviously your base medical knowledge is going to be really, really good. Um, but again, it just comes down to how confident the individual is. And also, I think it's a really important factor is uh, how supportive the NHS trust is as well at that level. Yeah, 
Um, because again, if you, you, what you don't want to happen is is to uh, there there will be a higher expectation absolutely on the uh, dots coming in at that level in terms of performance, in terms of um, the uh, kind of clinical skills, etc. So you you don't want to kind of be caught out by working in a, an unsupportive environment at that level because that is going to be really really stressful. Yeah, I mean sometimes it, we'll have doctors that they might be interviewing or applying for an ST2 or ST3 level position and they get offered a specialty doctor level position because the, the trust of the interviewing clinicians think that clinically you're competent enough to take on that role. And sometimes people get a bit scared because they're going, well, actually, you know, maybe I'd like to do something with less responsibility or whatnot. I, generally, I think you should embrace that. They won't offer you a job they don't think that you can do. Yeah. And from day one, you won't be doing that level of job well it's it's actually it's a really good question uh, to ask at interview stage Mm -hmm. Um, and we actively uh, promote this that uh, certainly when we're doing interview preparation for our doctors is that you that is the that is the time to ask the questions about actually what your first kind of six months is going to look like what's the induction period going to look, look like what type of supports there have they integrated international doctors into the department before 100 um it's really really important so don't feel particularly in nhs interviews because they, they can be quite short i mean uh, i know that we had a set yesterday which were 15 minute slots which is crazy <laughs> to me uh, but that, that's the time to ask these questions uh, and again with everything to do with international relocation to the to the nhs it's it's about building up that portfolio of um, knowledge um before making a, a, a kind of taking a holistic view uh, or decision um so ask those questions at the interview stage about if you're not feeling if, if you, you you think you might struggle or are not feeling that confident even though the the, the consultants that have interviewed you um i think you're appointable at that level don't feel afraid to ask the questions. Yeah. I think um, if you're if you're working with us, as Ryan said, we would do interview prep with you before your interview anyway. So usually via Skype where we'll have an in-depth conversation about what you should expect and the kind of questions you should be asking. And we'll kind of prompt you to to find out more about what, as Ryan said, what support you're going to get. Because that's really important. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan said, if you've got your, your license and you've paid all that money and done all that work, the last thing you want to do is, is jeopardise that and put yourself in a position where you're unsafe or you might get into trouble or whatnot. But again, I, I, I would caveat that by saying that the NHS is super risk averse. They won't mm. they won't throw you in at the deep end. It wouldn't be all right, doctor, you've arrived in the department, off you go. Yeah, you know there'll be a, there'll be always there should be always a supervision, it, a supernumerary. Yeah, it, I actually thought I, I went up to uh, visit a client in London um, a couple of weeks ago and it was really nice to hear from them because, again, they, they hadn't really done a lot of international recruitment before and um, because we had, I think it was a cohort of, of 10 doctors that started within that department, um, that they, they were so impressed with the clinical skills of the clinicians. They were so happy with those doctors. Um, but they've actually put together a... a, a a proper induction course for just specifically for international doctors and that's been driven by the department and we are seeing that more and more from NHS Trust as they look to overseas doctors to recruit um, that there will be real um, uh, uh, really structured inductions to the NHS whereas probably before it's going to be here's your access codes here here's where the fire exits are here's <laughs> here's your IT logins hopefully um, uh, but which which is all necessary stuff to know 
But again, it doesn't really assimilate people into a different healthcare system. But more and more NHS trusts are looking at this in uh, a far more strategic way now, which is great. Mm. And, and hopefully um, that, that, that's going to make things easier for, for international dots in the future. So that kind of brings us to the top of the tree, uh, which is consultants. Um, so consultant vacancies, uh, if you look on NHS jobs, there are hundreds <laughs> of, of consultant vacancies. Um, that obviously lots of factors driving the need for, for additional consultants in the UK, which again is great for uh, IMGs because the, the NHS can't grow it enough internally um, uh, at the moment. So the opportunities for to become a consultant in the UK are really, really good. Um, and the NHS Trust should be actively encouraging doctors to um, to, to get up to that level. Mm. And um, even, if, even if you're not a consultant as well, in terms of problem solving, if there are gaps at consultant level and those hospitals have tried and failed to successfully fill those rules, they they usually will will then start to look at, all right, well, we can't get a consultant who's ready to act independently, but could we get an overseas doctor in as a specialty doctor and then yeah. train them into that role? And that's a really good opportunity, again, for IMGs to, to buy into the journey of a hospital and to you know, to get the support that they need to, yeah. to reach consultant level. No, absolutely. Um, but again, um, we, we tend to find that, um, uh, particularly within uh, diagnostics, such as radiology, that international doctors with FRCR, they, they are absolutely fine to come in at consultant level. Again, this is it's all, all going to really depend on the individual trust, the, the interview panel, all these uh, types of considerations. I know, as um, Tom mentioned earlier, nobody's going to let you just walk into the department and start seeing patients. There will be an induction period, a supernumerary period, um, where because if if the if you apply for a job as a consultant and you've been offered a job as a consultant, uh, the department or the trust will want you to succeed in that position and will give you the tools to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I guess in terms of where you are in your career, if you and again, this is a very broad rule of thumb, just based on you know ten or ten or more years of of doing this job. That if you have a role college qualification, um, because uh, well, we'll come on to plab in a minute. But if you've got a role college qualification and you have more than eight years of experience within your specialty, then you you could apply for consultant jobs or specialty doctor jobs, depending on the specialty. And like Ryan said. In diagnostics, that tends to be more common. So within histopathology and radiology, where they're looking for people who can take on independent reporting, it's a little bit different to an A&E doctor who they're going to parachute into a department and expect to run tier two rotas. So, you know, this specialty does impact the, the grade as well as your experience within those, mm-hmm. you know, those zones. I think for PLAB, I mean, the reason that the reason that a Royal College qualification is should make your life easier as an international doctor or an equivalent recognised. So, for example, um, a European diploma in anaesthetics and intensive care, if you're an anaesthetist, um, which is recognised as an equivalent, is that the departments in the UK then have a baseline for what your clinical knowledge is. So if you've done PLAB, they only really know that you've been tested to the same level as what they would expect a junior doctor to be capable of in the UK clinically. But if you hold those World <laughs> College qualifications, if you hold those equivalent qualifications, then um, they know that you are at least able to, to practice at the level that, you know, they would have done those exams themselves. So they know exactly what's involved. Um, unfortunately, the doctors who do the CVs are not always aware of what the training routes are in 
you know, in, in other countries. And so they don't know what you've mm-hmm. done as part of your training. Yeah, I think the, the, the one thing regarding consultant vacancies as well is that you actually don't need to be on a specialist register in the UK to work as a consultant. You, uh, any position you'd be offered would be a locum consultant role. Um, uh, to take up a substantive position uh, as a consultant level, of course, you have to be on the specialist register, but we'll, we'll, we will talk about that in a, a future episode as well. So um, so uh, that kind of takes us to the end of um, the, the types of jobs. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that's given a bit of clarity about where your CV or skill set or qualifications may fit into that kind of pyramid, if you like. Um, I, I think the... If you're unsure, of course, just ask ask the question. Ask us, uh, BDI Resources, to review your CV. We'll give you lots of guidance about where we think uh, you might fit into that. Um, but again, a lot of this just comes down to individual preference. Uh, I, I know lots of doctors with huge amounts of experience uh, and full Royal, uh, Royal College qualifications that want to start off as a junior middle grade. Yeah. It's not uncommon, and sometimes that is the, the right thing for them, particularly if they're coming over with a large family and, and don't want that responsibility and the the pressure, I guess. Because uh, as we all know, it's it, it, I mean for our, our doctors, there is just such a, a stressful time moving to the UK. Yeah, there's no there's no right or wrong no. answer really. But like Ryan said, if you if you want to send an email to apply at BDR Resourcing, or you want to give us a call, or comment on Facebook or any of our other mm. social media platforms or you want us to look at your CV and give an assessment about where we think that you where you should be applying to even if you're not going to use our you know our actual recruitment services we're mm. still happy to to help as many people as we can so get get in touch and we'll yeah. we'll do what we can the other nice thing about that is that if we can work out roughly where you should be applying for in terms of the grade we can give you a rough idea of what your salary might be yeah. um, we'll never commit to an exact salary because it's yeah. a it's a bit open to interpretation. Probably exactly. probably enough content for another five yeah. <laughs> podcast episodes. But um, you know we, we can give you an idea of what what your expectations should be because sometimes we get people saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, especially doctor job and two hundred thousand pounds a year," and yeah. that's uh, that's not not a, not a doer, I'm afraid. Okay, so that, that wraps up today's episode. I hope you found it um, enjoyable, interesting. Um, we will be back next week uh, with episode three of series in series three, which has got to be about the well, it's quite a divisive one. Uh, as always, is should I apply for via NHS jobs or should I apply via a recruitment agency? We will give you the kind of pros and cons of both. Yeah, obviously, a recruitment agency called BDR resourcing though. Yeah, you're very impartial, Tom. Um, completely impartial. Lovely. Okay, so uh, take care. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.